So here we go. Um, welcome to the very first episode of Kale's Weekly Rant. I am your beloved Kale Jones, and um, I figured you know we'd start the show off today with you know something that might be overdue in talking about or overplayed or overheard on radio, ESPN radio, TV, whatever. But um, I feel I need to voice my opinion on is college football and the BCS and where it stands in politics and whether it's right or wrong. My opinion, um, I think we've seen this year, many people feel Florida and Oklahoma did not deserve, one of the two did not deserve to play in the national championship game. We see the Utah Utes, a non-BCS team, one of those, they're not in that book of the lucky 66 who have, who have paid, the, paid their dues to be included in the BCS, um, went a perfect 13-0, that's a 12-0 in the regular season, including a Sugar Bowl win against Alabama, an Alabama team who held the number one seed for most of their regular season and ended up losing to Florida, hence why they did not get to play for the national championship. And a lot of people feel that, I mean, this has happened in past previous years, but a lot of people feel that um, this year especially is unfair that Utah should have a chance to play for the national title, that we should just crown them the national title right off. It should go by record. Um... And the point is, I mean, I, I, I'd agree. For the most part, this is a Utah team who I didn't see a lot play, but I did watch the Sugar Bowl, and I was I was impressed. I never thought, I thought I had a feeling Alabama was going to take a blowout from that game and absolutely destroy Utah and send them Mormons back home, but um, they they collapsed, basically. And it wasn't just an Alabama collapse. It was it was a good Utah win, Um I mean, this is a good team with a good, a very good balanced offense, and I feel they should be able to play Florida now. I don't think we can hand this outright. Handing this outright um, to Utah is would be a mistake. They haven't. They played Florida teams in the in the schedule this year. Um, not enough, in my opinion, to hand them the title. They don't have the the explosiveness that I think would be necessary to play against uh, Florida or in Oklahoma or Texas or Penn State or USC a dominant BCS team that we see, um, and at any point if Utah wants to contend for the national championship, I think we need to see them in a game, which is why 
coming back to the BCS now, why the BCS is a mistake for allowing these kinds of things to happen. Um, but I don't think, I'm not going to jump on a bandwagon. I don't think a playoff is the way to go. Um, these playoffs, taking a, a playoff will take away the bowl games. Um, all of the bowls, whether they're too many, I probably agree with that too. That's another story. Um, all of these bowls, these bowls raise tons of revenue for the places that have them. They're good for the schools, they're good for the teams, they're good for the fans. You know, these big game situations that players can gain experience if they're looking to playing on Sunday someday. And um, a playoff would get rid of, I mean, all these big games. I mean, it's it's just an overall bad thing for college football. People argue it might be fair. Well, of course it's going to be more fair um, as far as the national championship game goes. But you're still going to have the debate because an 18 playoff, where do you draw the line at 7, 8, and 9? And, um, I mean, you're still going to have teams... Maybe with one loss, an undefeated team still competing for that spot that you're going to have to cut off and you're going to have the same problems that we have now. Um, people, I don't think we can go with the playoff also because you're going to see um, strength of schedule drop. I mean, horrendously. We're not going to have big games in the regular season because everybody's going to go for that undefeated one-loss mark trying to make the case for the playoffs and then see what they can do. Um, come that time. And it's just overall a bad situation for college football, and I think they're going to leave too many teams out that way. Um, now this is a correct view because obviously I'm going to support what's right and everything I say is golden. Um, a plus one system is the way to go. A plus one would keep the bowls the way we have them, but after we have these four big uh, bowls, we go, we take two winners. So and this year, for instance, we take a Florida, who was uh, picked as the number one team. We still have our polls. We still, even if you want to go ninth teams the same way the BCS does, we wouldn't just have a national championship right there. We'd have our first round of bowls. They'd all be gone before New Year's. Then come New Year's Day, we'd have our last bowl. We'd pick two winners out of the big four. This year, we'd see probably Florida and Utah, and that would be a national championship game. Um, I think... It, it still, it'd be fair. I mean, obviously, you're going to have, the, no matter what you do, with 119 Division One schools um, playing in the NCAA with all with good, well, not good, but all with football programs, you're going to have an argument no matter what you do. So the plus one, I think, at least eliminates the argument over the national championship. We're not going to see the ugly debates over the, you know, seven and eight and nine seeds and who gets in, who cuts like a win with a playoff. We're not going to lose the revenue that we would from a um, from a playoff. We're going to keep that bowl revenue, and you're still going to keep the tradition that we see with the Rose Bowl and the Orange Bowl and the Sugar Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl. Um, and I think this—I mean, how many people would wouldn't love to see Florida and Utah in one last game to duke it out? The undefeated team against Tim Tebow, the Magic Man who, in my opinion, has a chance this year, since he's coming back, has a chance to be the greatest football player, um, a college football player in history. I think he'll go. I think he comes back for wins another national championship this year. Tebow is in Heisman contention. I don't think he gets it. Um, I, I mean, somebody's going to emerge mid-season I don't, with better numbers than Tebow. Tebow doesn't have the consistent numbers to put up to win another Heisman. Let me see both the Rose Bowl and the Orange Bowl and the Sugar Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl. Um, and I think this, I mean, how many people would, wouldn't love to see Florida and Utah in one last game 
to duke it out. The undefeated team, that's Tim Tebow from Maverick Man, who in my opinion has a chance this year, since he's coming back, has a chance to be the greatest football player, um, or college football player in history. I think he'll go. I think he comes back for wins another national championship this year. Tebow is in Heisman contention. I don't think he gets Okay, so I promised some people that this podcast wouldn't be entirely about sports. Hence the term, the all-encompassing. We get some politics, we get some local news, we get some stuff in schools. There's some general stuff that ticks me off. Um, and I'd like to, I mean, and I apologize if I am sounding angry right now, or if I'm talking fast, but let me explain what's happening to me tonight. I just got back, you know, got back from my basketball game, a church league basketball game. And uh, started recording a podcast, and we lost the game, and I mean, it was a heartbreaking loss. Last week, we, we led the game, we controlled the game, played better, we were the better team, more talented team, and we lost in the last two minutes, snapping an undefeated record. Um, so, uh, so naturally, I'm pretty angry, but the bad thing is, it was one of those sporting events where those guys in black and white, who were never quite good enough to play themselves, the referees decided the outcome of the game. Um, way too many fouls called. I, mean, I understand trying to protect from injury atrociously, but I mean, the whistle was blown and there was no contact at all. And someone like me, my size, in case you couldn't figure it out in basketball, I'm, I'm pretty undersized. But I'm, you know, I, I, play in, I still play inside a lot, especially on defense. You know, it's tough to make up for it. But um, very first quarter, I come down with a rebound, which goes into a situation where a jump ball should be called, should have been called, a foul on the other team, but instead we play on. I ended up winning the ball and getting it out. But in the process, taking elbows to the nose. Uh, I mean, you go to the bloody nose, and that's just a no-no in church league basketball. Um, next whistle, I realized that I come out, go clean up. I got blood on my shirt. Eventually, they let me play. It was making me turn my shirt inside out, which I think is pointless, too. But at this point, I only have one foul, which was a ridiculous call. There was no contact. But um, come back in. So I'm coming in with one foul because it's still very late in the first quarter. You know, we're up by like 8 or 10 at this point. We go in the second quarter. We come in. I run up. Another two fouls. One of them, this kid is against this kid. They call a foul on me. This kid's about, I won't put him at 7 foot. I'll put him at 6'9", six, 6'10". Six, I come up in front of him, box him out, get the board. He comes over the back, and somehow a foul gets called on me. And nonetheless, a shooting foul when we're coming down with the rebound. This is my third. And, you know, naturally I'm upset. Um, I almost got called with the technical, you know, I was able to keep my mouth shut, which is, I mean, it's, it's uncharacteristic that I was speaking a first place to the referee, but I mean, that, that should, if you know me, that should tell you how ridiculous this game was going. And then later, just a tick, another tic-tac call, got him up for a shot, I came from behind, got ball, knocked it loose, but, you know, we called reach in, and, you know, another shooting foul, that's my four, this is still very early in the third quarter, and I come out and sift the rest of the game. Um, so I'm not happy, and we lose in the last couple seconds. And I'm still, I mean, it's all, but I mean, we gave it away. We missed foul shots and layups, and, you know, late in the game, we kept the lead going. And uh, the defense got back in the game, you know, once I was out. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm responsible for great defense, but defense is the main part of my game. And, you know, so when I'm out, I mean, the defense hurts a little bit. 
But uh, we come in, you know, and the split fouls early in the third quarter for someone who doesn't foul much, who put, who's a good technical player. To have split fouls on early in the th th uh, third quarter, to me it seemed like the referee was calling a foul, like any time it looked like there may have been contact, whether it was or not, was calling a foul on the first person he saw. And it just happened to be me all the time. These play line shirts kind of give us away. So uh, we come in, you know, and this will lose the guy on the stretch. So that's why I'm not going to happy. So uh, we're going to get away from sports now. And it's a good, nice segue in playing this. But uh, other things have made me unhappy. President Barack Obama. The president-elect, I should say. You know, I'm not even going to dignify him with that. Barack Obama makes me unhappy. Um, the, the transition team, if you will, it, it's, I mean, it's cockiness. I mean, it is simply pointless. Um, I, you know, I can go on forever about this, but you know, I, I don't want to keep you here listening, listening all day. So I am going to shorten things up a little bit. Um, Leon Panetta. End of story. What the hell was he thinking, appointing Leon Panetta to chair the CIA? No intelligence background at all. A field that is made by experience. I don't. You, I mean, you don't study. You you study intelligence, but you don't learn intelligence until you're in the field. I mean, this is why you see people with intelligence careers way into old age because they just get better and better and better with more experience. So to appoint someone with no experience and like to chair the CIA, I think should anger an entire nation. And Mr. Hawker said this in our economics class the other day, and I'm gonna go ahead and continue it. When something happens here, you know late this year, and I'm just going to wait to hear, well, at least George Bush kept us safe. At least he kept us safe, and that was the most important part. Because he did. And people take it for granted now. But he did. And the other one is Sanjay Gupta. Um, this is someone who, I mean, it's obviously not as far-fetched as Leon Panetta. I mean, that just angers me. But um, Sanjay Gupta kind of can get me up there, too. A TV correspondent who's had very limited experience in practice is now going to be the Surgeon General. I mean, some, I mean, and I'm sure we'll see more. You know, and, I mean, there's been questions about a lot of people about Vilsack, and obviously Hillary Clinton has her, um, her enemies. But, you know, I, I think we'll see more, see more of these bad appointments. I mean, he has to make better appointments if he, I mean, the Democratic Party is in a spiral enough of it all is with Blago. I don't have to go into that. Um, that clown. Blago the clown, huh? Anyway. And, uh, you know, the Jesse Jackson Jr. I mean, it's 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 getting bad for the Democratic Party. I mean, I don't expect we, I don't think we're going to see, I think we're going to see the Republican victory in 2012. That's not my bias talking. But, um, I mean, things keep going like this, and I have a feeling it will. Because, I mean, no matter who it was, no matter who it was, I think we're going to see the opposite party. I mean, if John McCain won this year, I have a feeling whoever the Democratic nominee is will have won in 2012. Because I don't think a president is going to fix the economy. And what I hope, what I hope doesn't happen is I is I'm, you know, a believer, big believer, small government. Let's let the market work things out for itself. And I think if that happens, I don't think it will happen soon enough. But I think if that happens, really early, um, and you know, Obama gets the credit for it, I think it'll be a it'll be a dark it'll be a dark future. I think we'll see Democratic presidents for a long, long time until the next big war. Um, if 
that if he was to get that false credit. So now to I mean next I just, we I put in my politic bit for the uh, for the show. Now to just general things that tip me off. Today's date is what January thirteenth. Today's date is January thirteenth, which means yesterday was January twelfth. I came home yesterday. Someone I can't even call him a friend of mine. They're an acquaintance. I used I'm good, I'm friends with this lady's son, but um as far as the parents we never cared for. Um, she never I mean we didn't like we didn't like him too much, um, and specifically she didn't get along with my dad, which kind of makes this even more messed up for me. Um, January 12th, when I get home from school, this person shows up at my door with a Christmas card that her church made. This is January 12th. Christmas, like the holiday, Christmas, we celebrate it on December 25th. That's not January. I mean, this is a full half of a month later. Show up with a big, it was like, I mean, I guess from the whole church, so... This big, big, like, poster board Christmas card. That was like it had been painted by kindergarten as a Christmas tree. And little paper ornaments that people signed the name on. No wishes on it, no nothing, just names. And she handed me, said about how the church does this every year for people who, you know, are desperately in need of it. And handed me a $250 check for it's going in the education fund that people have set up for me. Um... I'm, I, I mean, I was, yes, I'm thankful for the donation, but when I just get home from school and just walk in the door, and the first thing I hear is, you know, I mean, you sound, as someone who, I mean, didn't really respect my dad, show up and tell us about how the church does this and how great the church is for doing this to somebody every year, and then implying that I'm desperately in need, that, you know, making it sound like I'm a charity case, and with $250, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to take too kindly to it. So obviously, oh, apparently I, I didn't seem too grateful, and, and I, might, I might have gotten a little sarcastic with it, but if you're going to give someone a donation, trying to be nice, but I mean at least do it out of the goodness of your heart, you know, don't do it, don't do it because you, uh, you know, you, you, you want the, you want the attention for doing something good, and get it done on time, that is kind of annoying, that's not going to be a part of it. So apparently I wasn't too, uh, I wasn't too thankful. I was sarcastic, maybe a little bit bitter, but I, apparently I, 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 just to be frank, I pissed her off, and she slammed the door as she left my house because I wasn't thankful enough for her donation. Yes, it will get to good use, but don't come because you expect me. Ex I mean, don't don't come because you expect me to treat you like my savior or something. And, you know, this is another thing on the subject. Go, people, just don't ask me how I'm doing in reference to, you know, things at home and dealing with stuff. Don't ask me, I mean, if you, it's okay to ask me, you know, how are you? It's like just a greeting, general greeting. And if you want to ask how my mom's doing, that's fine, because I understand people, you know, it's, I understand people are worried about us, but it's okay to be worried about her. I can handle myself. So, um, I mean, that's just kind of what I wanted to get out there. And, uh, and although, although, we're going to be done with this, we're going to leave the topic, you know, before I get any more angry, you know, any more angry, and just kind of throw the mic out the window here. Um, we're going to go back, back to sports, although I promised, you know, sp I, I love sports. And, uh, on the subject, I mean, we're talking about college football earlier, let's go to pro football. 
how about them Pittsburgh Steelers coming out against the San Diego Chargers? You know, people expect us. I mean, people expected things to collapse after the bye week. We we were the only bye week team that held on to win to win the game this week in the conference round. You know, the Eagles went over the Giants. The Cardinals took Carolina out. We saw Tennessee losing a close one to Baltimore, but uh, Pittsburgh held on. And how about? And everybody was questioning Ben: Is the offense going to be good enough? We know the defense is good, but is the offense going to be good enough? How about that offense coming late in the third quarter? You know, we got in rhythm, got some short passes in, some quick games. Ben Roethlisberger. Although, here's what I want to say about Ben. Although, the numbers aren't there as what they used to be his rookie and sophomore season. I mean, obviously the motorcycle. I mean, the motorcycle accident's been a while ago. I mean, but and the offensive line hasn't been good, but the offensive line has picked things up. And although the numbers haven't been there, in those two-minute runs, those crucial runs when we need points and we have to go to the no-huddle, Ben Roethlisberger is better than anybody else in the NFL. And I will argue this to the day I die. He's got a will to win, and he goes out on that field and uh, is, you know gets everybody. I mean, as a captain this year, taking a leadership role, he gets everybody else into the game and said, and just marches the ball down the field for a win. And we saw that again in the third quarter, getting in a rhythm, you know, um, the short pass to get into it, and we saw the deep crossing out to Hines um, between two defenders again, almost the same play as we saw in the, uh, right at the end of the first half before the Parker run for the touchdown go up 14-10. That play was beautiful. But we saw almost a similar play from the opposite side of the field come in, and this was a beautiful throw, I mean, the tightest spiral you can get on a football and it was amazing. I mean, I didn't. See, I had basketball practice. I didn't see the second half. I came back and uh, saw the highlights. You know, I watched my record, my, my recording, and um, you know, I, I'm I'm so pumped up for this game against Baltimore because I want to see him play like that some more. Now let's go to Baltimore. Never. I'm always nervous for divisional games. I mean, that's that's a given. But I don't think ever have I been so nervous for a game against Baltimore in my life. This is a conference championship game. We've already taken Baltimore twice. Okay, very rarely does a team beat another team three times, go 3-0 against a team in one season. That almost never happens. Okay? Um, so, but the fact is, the only thing that makes me feel a little bit comfortable about that is, in the first game that Pittsburgh won against Baltimore, Baltimore played better for the first three quarters, and it was a close physical game, and we outlasted them and came back. And they didn't come back. We held on, we stayed even with them, and came out in the fourth quarter and won that game. The second game we played against Baltimore, we were even early, and we outlasted them and pulled out and won another close one. Now, Baltimore is a good defense, but Baltimore is also an old defense. Ray Lewis is, is getting near the end of his career, and all, although he can play football, he, he's getting up there in years. And we saw them in a close game. Against a physical game against Miami in the fourth quarter, they had enough of a lead, but they got tired. And Chad Pennington, you know, I mean, he he started getting the rhythm against them and started to throw the football well against the Baltimore. And, and in the Tennessee game, we saw him in a, in a physical game. We saw him get tired at the end, hold on, and just barely scrape a win by a field goal. Now, this is why I think that trend can continue. We've seen them get tired. They haven't had a bye week. They've been going, and and even the last two, the last two games of Baltimore's regular season, they were physical games. And we saw the defense kind of, in the offense too, kind of get tired towards the end of that game. Which is why I think unless they can get a league early against Pittsburgh's defense, which we all know they won't. 
I'm sorry, but James Harrison and Troy Polamalu are beasts, and that's not going to happen. I mean, Joe Flacco can kiss that early league dream goodbye. Okay. So, I mean, I think it's going to be, I mean, obviously it's going to be a physical game. Conference championship, division rivals, it's a physical game all the time. But, I mean, this one's got an extra little sauce on it. I mean, it's, it's going to be extra spicy. And I'm ready for it. Um, we're going to see, I'm going to see another physical game. It's going to go down to the fourth quarter. And I think Pittsburgh is going to be able to outlast them again. And because they're not going to get that early lead, it's going to be a tie. And they're going to have to rely on Joe Flacco, the rookie, on a big stage to come through. And it's not going to happen. Flacco has not played well. He's played good enough and not made mistakes and let the defense win. But when it comes down to where the defense isn't good enough, they're good, but they're not going to be good enough. Pittsburgh's going to be able to carry a lead through. I think the Alpha Fillers are going to stay in the rhythm. And uh, I don't think Flacco's going to be able to come up. And I think we're going to see a Pennsylvania Super Bowl. I think we're going to see Pittsburgh and Philadelphia go to the Super Bowl. And if, it might, I mean, if I had my choice, I think we play. We should play at Beaver Stadium. But we're going to see him go down to Tampa, which is it's, it's a nice venue in Tampa, you know. So, I mean, and you don't have to worry about the weather. It makes it fair. I mean, these are good places for football, but I still think a Super Bowl between the Steelers and the Eagles in the center of the state would be amazing. But you're going to see the state go nuts in the next couple weeks. And uh, I think, I know, I heard someone say, I don't want it to happen because they're going to hear about it. They're going to hear the talking. You know, they're not a member of either side. Um, there are ways to deal with it. You can deal with the talking. You can join a side. You can go ahead and put on a black and gold and uh, come over and, and wave the towels and, you know, fight the forces of evil with us. That, that's a good way to uh, get involved in the talking and not skip out. So, um, I think we're going to see, and then in that game, um, Gonda McNabb, a, a still a good player, not what he was. Um, that offense isn't good enough to, I mean, to handle the best, the best passing defense in the league, the best scoring defense in the league, and the second best running defense in the league. Um, Philadelphia's offense isn't good enough to handle it, which is why I have a feeling we're going to see the Pittsburgh Steelers become the first team in history to win six Super Bowls, and why I think I might not go to sleep that Sunday night. February 2nd, I'm going to be running on adrenaline. And uh, I might just order replicas of rings. I I might just do it if we can set history like that. You have I don't think anybody has any idea. I don't myself how ecstatic I'm going to be. And uh, one closing note. One closing note about the NFL. Um, it's been an unexpected season. It has been an unexpected uh, you know a season of surprises. We've seen Arizona, who we knew was going to win the division when when St. Louis started to collapse. I I think people saw that Arizona was good enough that they could hang on and win the division and get in the playoffs. But did anybody expect them to be where they are right now? Did anybody expect that run defense to be able to stop Michael Turner and then uh, smashing gas with D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan Stewart absolutely shut them down? I mean, that was not just hold them to below their average. That was, you know, bang them over and spank them and toss them five yards behind the line of scrimmage every play. I mean, there was no offensive movement for Carolina. They put things on Jake DeLome, and he threw uh, five interceptions, all of which were in. One, one you can't blame entirely on him. It was a nice play by the defense, but he still threw the ball where he shouldn't. He threw five interceptions in the double coverage. Okay? That doesn't qualify you to play quarterback for the Chambersburg Trojans, and everybody knows how, um, what you have to be able to do to do that. 
I think throw the ball ten yards and get you that job. So um, on that note, you always got anything with chosen football, and just it's 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 a depressing game. You know this this as I've you know realized going the show this sports talk I mean this you know podcast talk radio talk it, it's a depressing job. You know but some ways I come out here and do it. So um, I'll thank you for listening. Um, the RSS feed should be up for this to subscribe. Uh, thank you for subscribing. Give me attention. I'll be back next week. I'm out. i